Crippled Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark, with Andrew Gerza, shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello. Welcome to a brand new episode of Disability After Dark. My name is Andrew Gerza. I am, of course, your disability boyfriend experience. I am also your disabled dreamboat. I'm all those things. And I'm really excited to be recording today because I've been... in actually Sydney, Australia with my family on vacation for the last three weeks, so I haven't had a chance to record new episodes. All the awesome episodes you have been hearing, I spent a whole bunch of time recording them before I left, and so I haven't had a chance to actually sit down at my console and properly record for like basically almost a month, so this feels kind of brand new and exciting to do it all over again, and I'm really excited to be starting and sitting at the mic and properly recording. And so my mic's in a weird position, though, and because of disability, it might sound a little bit weird right now, but I'm doing my best to make sure it sounds okay because sometimes when you're disabled and your mic is in one position, you can't move the mic and have to do your best. So that's that's the kind of episode that this is going to be. It's going to be one where I'm, like, hoping the sound is good and apologizing for it profusely later also, we got two new Patreon pledges this month. I love it when I see that number grow because it means you're supporting crippled content and it means you're supporting a little show like this. Also, I want to let you know that I've hired somebody to work with me as an intern on the show and to help me do research to create better episodes and to help me find different content with different ideas so I can keep the show going. And I will introduce you to them eventually. They're amazing. They've already started putting spreadsheets together for the episodes and putting ideas together for the episodes and sending me emails about ideas and options. And we've, we've had a few brainstorming sessions now and they're great. And we're going to be, be introducing them to you soon. They're amazing. They're really sex positive and they're also disabled and they're also queer. I'm really excited to introduce them to you. So when you pledge to the Patreon now, I'm going to be taking some of the money that you have been giving me to build this show and I'm giving it to them because I think it's the right thing to do because they're helping me on this great project and I want to make sure they get paid properly. So when you consider pledging, know that your money will now go to support them and I will introduce them to you very soon, I promise. They're great. But for now, let's get on with the show. So I've been listening to a lot of podcasts recently in my search for new ideas to expand the conversation into sex and disability. I love listening to queer podcasts, sex podcasts, funny podcasts, just world podcasts, any kind of podcast that might spark my my interest that I can somehow apply disability to. I listen to and be like, how can I bring sexuality into that? How does this, what can I do to make an episode around that same topic but bring disability into that? Um, and so one of the shows that I really love 
that I love, and I love the conversations on this show so, so much. And I listened to, to Cameron Esposito's Query, which is, which is just an amazing podcast. And if you haven't listened to it, you should really pause me right now and, and have a listen because it's a really great, important queer podcast. Just having conversation with two queer, queer people in a room talking, it's really powerful and important. It's literally one of the best podcasts that I've ever listened to. And I'm not just saying that because I guessed it on the show, episode 13, cough, 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 cough. Um, so in one of her more recent episodes, Cameron Esposito talks to poet Andrea Gibson about times she has said things that have that may have been controversial or problematic. Andrea says that now she changes her work if something comes off as offensive. So they were talking about poetry and they were talking about like what, like some of the poetry that, that Andrea Gibson has written has been offensive and she, if she's doing it nowadays, she'll change the language around to make sure she doesn't offend anybody. And then they were talking about, you know, the importance of having a public record of something you've said can be really hard because it can show that we have a lot of growth to do and it can show that we have a lot of things to change in the way we think in the world and we have growing to do. And so having a public record like that when you're a poet or a public figure or somebody who's on stage talking and you say something offensive, showing that growth in public record can be really hard. Um, And... So, in response to that, Andrea Gibson says in this one episode, she mentions a poet who was called out for writing something homophobic, and she and this poet was adamant that she wouldn't change this because she wanted a record for her growth in this area. She wanted a record of what she said so she could go back later and be like, oh, my views have changed on this. Here's how I feel about it now. And I think that was really, really powerful, and it got me thinking for sure. Ever since I heard that, it got me considering my own growth in the area of sexuality and disability, and I essentially wanted to hit on some of the times where I have been less than grown up, less than kind, and less than nice about sexuality and disability and and sexuality and otherness, and some of the times where I have been kind of a disabled douchebag and what that meant. I know, I know. You can't believe that that's actually possible because I'm simply too amazing, right? How could I be a disabled douchebag? Well, I promise you there have been some definite times where I have certainly, most definitely been a disabled douchebag. And I felt it was important that I use this episode to call myself out so that I have a record of the things that I must never do again. So in light of that, I've called this episode The Times I Was a Disabled Douchebag in Bed. And before we go any further, I want to let you know that a lot of what I'll be mentioning today might be super triggering to a lot of different communities. Some of the stuff I did and said was really shitty and really, really insensitive and really, really, quite frankly, inappropriate. So if you think this episode is something you can't really listen to, I completely understand and I respect that. I just wanted to make that clear. Um, Otherwise, let's get ready to see how much I have fucked up as a disabled douchebag in bed. One of the very first times I remember being completely oblivious and insensitive to someone in bed was when I was about 19 or 20 years old. 
I hadn't ever been with a, with an uncircumcised or uncut guy yet, and I was raised on a healthy or unhealthy diet of TV sex advice, and I had been conditioned to think that uncut guys were gross, thanks to shows like Sex and the City and Queer as Folk and other shows like that. I was conditioned to really believe that, that uncut penises or uncircumcised penises were gross. And also, me being of the Jewish faith meant that I was automatically snipped and cut when I was a little baby, so my experience around uncut penises was very rare because I didn't see a lot of them until I started trying to meet guys and hook up. And so so I was, I was an uncut virgin, if you will. So anyway, I remember meeting this really attractive French guy, whether it was online or at a bar, I don't know. It was literally 15 years ago, so who knows really where I met this guy, but he was really attractive and super French, and because he was French, he was not circumcised. He had an uncut piece, which now I would be all over. Trust me, I'd be all over it. Right? Like I love uncut dick now, but at the time, I was kind of a dork about it, and I... Remember, we ended up in bed together, and I was just about to go down on him, and he pulled out his peen, and I noticed it was uncut. And I remember making a face that was all, like, withdrawn and sour-looking when his dick came out. I was like, oh, your penis is uncut. I don't like, I don't, no, no, I don't like that. It was very, like, highbrow, like, oh, no, I'm not putting that in my mouth. No, 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 no. And... Um, I can, I just remember, I remember the face I made was like, why would you, how dare you expect me to put that in my mouth? How dare you? And so I remember looking up at him and I said, without even thinking and without any kind of tact whatsoever, I said, do you have dick cheese? I actually said, do you have dick cheese to this poor poor gentleman who was trying to offer me his penis to suck on and I very rudely asked him if he had dick cheese or smegma which is gross but how, why would I why would I ask that how how much more of an asshole could I be who even says that to somebody when they're about to go down on them that's just really rude and I I said it without any kind of irony I was just like oh do you have dick cheese like I was genuinely expecting him to answer me or something And I remember that he looked at me really hurt, like really hurt. He looked at me like I like scarred him for life, which I kind of did because nobody wants to hear that when they're about to go down on somebody or about to be, you know, about to be blown. They don't want to hear that somebody thinks they're dirty. It's gross. And, you know, I've had that experience as a disabled person where somebody assumes that I'm dirty and it makes you feel like shit. But I asked him this like, I like I was totally allowed to and it was almost like I was using my disability as like carte blanche to be an asshole and you'll hear I have more examples of where I did this but I I just I can't even believe how rude it was and he got up and left but I really honestly was like you're gonna answer me and I can ask you whatever and it's fine when really I had no right to even ask him that it was totally an inappropriate question for me to ask and like, and I really, th I, when he left, 
I remember when he left, when he finally got up and left, I convinced myself in my brain that it must be because I'm disabled and therefore he's an ableist and therefore, like, it couldn't have possibly been because I was said something rude and horrible and he was properly offended. Couldn't have been that. Must have been because he's an ableist and didn't want to sleep with me because I'm disabled. Couldn't have been because I was just an asshole, right? There's a lot more to come on this episode of Disability After Dark, but first, we're going to play some ads from our awesome sponsor and some great listeners. So, we'll do that and we'll be right back on Disability After Dark, the podcast shining light on sex and disability with your host, Andrew Gerza. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at www.comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hi, my name is Darren and I listen to Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners. Just wanted to let you know that I have started recording minisodes for the show. And if you're like, hey, Andrew, what's a minisode? Let me tell you. A minisode is a little tiny morsel of awesomeness of Disability After Dark where you, the listener, get to write in anything about disability you want to tell me about, a story, a letter, a thought, uh, a topic idea. Just tell me about your life as a disabled person. Um... Or if you're non-disabled and you have questions about disability you want me to answer, write in and let me know. And then we can really build a community around disability and we'll put them in a little 10-minute minisode that we'll play before the full episodes. It'll come out, they'll come out every Wednesday. So if you want to write a minisode, write me your thoughts, feelings, emotions, ideas about disability. You can write them to our new email address for the podcast. You can write them to disabilityafterdark at gmail.com and then I will read them back to you. That's the, I'll read them back to you and we'll wildly speculate about them together. So submit your things for a minisode to disabilityafterdark at gmail.com And we're back. Thanks so much for listening to those ads and for those of you who create created those ads for me, I'd love to have you create more ads about why you love the show that I can put them in during the ad breaks. Tell me what the show means for you. Tell me why the show is important. Tell me what you love about the show and I will make it part of the episode so people can hear how Disability After Dark has impacted you as a listener. I'd love to have that. You can email your your mp3 of that to disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. But now, back to the show. So the thing where I told the guy, where I asked the guy, where I expected the guy to tell me whether or not he had smegma sounds pretty bad. And you're like, it couldn't get much worse or more awkward or more embarrassing than that, right? Well, it could. And I'm now going to share another story of when I said something completely douchey in bed and then expected my disability to help me get away with it. So prepare yourself for another douchey disabled moment with Andrew because 
it's coming. Prepare yourself. So, the next time that I was really, really and truly a disabled super douche in bed was with somebody, was around the same time as the Smegma incident. I met a really, really cute guy who was really into me, and he happened to be a gentleman of size or a fat-bodied guy. Now, when I say fat-bodied, I don't mean anything derogatory for it. I think fat-bodied is a is a great term to to talk about people who are of different sizes that that own their stuff. And this this gentleman or this young guy was definitely fat-bodied, and that was fine. I may or may not have told this story in some context before, possibly in the episode with Don Sarah, but I'm not sure if I did. I'm going to repeat it, and sorry about that. Sorry, not sorry. Um, so anyway, this guy was super sweet, really cute. I remember he had really nice almond brown eyes, Very just a really attractive guy. Had like long, not long, but like longish hockey Italian hair. Really, really cute. Really, really like sweet, really funny. Everything that I that I claimed to be looking for in a guy. Um, and he wanted to go on all these dates with me and he wanted to go out with me and he wanted to like court me, which I whine a lot about how I'm looking for a relationship and how guys are douchebags. And, and this one guy wanted to go with me and I thought it was great. And so he wanted to pay me all this attention and wanted to do all this stuff. And we, we went out and we bonded super hard with one another. Um, and it, we had a lot of fun. And he, we had a lot of fun just being together. And, but when it came to sex, though, I was kind of apprehensive about sleeping with him. And I'll be honest about why. I was worried about his weight. And I wasn't worried for his health. And I wasn't worried for, like, the positions we could do. I was worried for a super douchebag reason. I was worried that his weight would hurt me. And I didn't know how to reconcile that. I didn't know how to, to talk about his weight hurting me as a disabled person. Now, what I should have done is to storyboard that with him and to sit down and to tactfully talk about what kind of positions would, would work for both of us. What do we want to do? How will this look? What kind of pleasure do we want to receive from one, uh, one another? How is my disability going to play with that? How is your fat-bodied experience going to be in play with that? Let's talk it out. That's that's that would have been the correct thing to do, but I didn't do that. I didn't do that at all. In fact, I went completely the other way and did something so much worse. Instead of properly talking to this guy and and letting him know my fears about positioning and disability in my body and his body and and my genuine fears about how that would play out, I decided that it was appropriate and kind and the right thing to do. Which, disclaimer, it totally was not the right thing to do. I decided that it was the the right thing to do to say to him, and I'm pulling it up in the notes because I wrote it down exactly what I said. I thought it was appropriate to say to him, to his face, I don't think I can have sex with you because you're too big. You might crush me. Like, holy fuck. How rude could I possibly be here when I said that? What a fucking asshole I was. I'll never forget the look on this poor guy's face. It looked like I had cut him to his absolute core. And I remember laying there with this shitty 
privileged, like, white, cisgendered, not fat-bodied look on my face, like, like, as if I hadn't done anything wrong at all. Like, I was simply telling him this because I was disabled, and therefore, if he crushed me, I, as the disabled person, would have no options, and therefore, it was okay for me to actually say this because I was thinking of my disability first, and therefore, again, I had carte blanche to say something shitty if I shielded it behind disability. But of course, what I was actually doing was to be, I was being prejudiced, and I was being rude, and that's just what was happening, and I was trying to hide that away in disability awareness bullshit. I, ne I never saw him again, obviously, and we never spoke, but the, the thing that I did is particularly painful for me to recount. Even saying it now and reading my notes is hard because, especially hard given the fact that I refer to myself and have referred to myself on this show as a bear in a chair. And now that I've grown up and kind of been raised by the social justice community and the disability sexuality community, I admire bigger men in sex culture who have embraced that side of themselves. I admire bear culture. I admire cub culture. I admire the way that that's changing the way we look at sexualizing bodies. And I am so ashamed of myself for saying what I said to that poor guy. I am saddened that it could have led to something great with this guy. And instead I use my, 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 my privilege and my prejudice to deny him something. And I should also mention when I said the thing about, I don't think I can have sex with you because you're too big. You may crush me. Not only was I saying that to his face, I was saying that to him as he was getting naked to, to get on the bed with me so we could cuddle or fuck or something. And I remember just saying it like, you can't get in this bed because you're too big. It was just so, it was so insensitive. And I, given that I have gained some weight since having said that, I'm really, really ashamed of what I said. And I'm ashamed that I would let somebody who was so kind to me and so sweet that I would hurt them and have no regard for how they felt. I'm happy to report that I I have worked through that prejudice and I have worked through that rude viewpoint. And like I said, I admire I admire fat bodied men who own their stuff and I I am well I am still bound to the stupid homonormative cultural ideals that we're all forced into. I am coming out of that um and starting to look at bodies differently and realizing that because my body's different, I have to allow different bodies to be looked at also. I can't expect somebody to think I'm attractive as a disabled person and then not look at somebody whose body is different and deny them the chance to be attractive to me. That's not fair. And deny them the chance to be sexy with me. That's not fair because I want some ideal that is ridiculous. So that experience taught me that I cannot be, that I can't do that again. It was so 
painful for this poor guy that I just remember feeling really shitty. Even writing it down this morning, I felt weird about it, but I I definitely have never done that again, and I won't ever again, because I now know bears, and I, I know the culture that I now respect. But I've repeated that like three times, and now let's move on to the next time I was a douche in bed, because it does get even worse. Prepare yourself. One of the next times I was a horrible, horrible, horrible person in bed to somebody was when I was with this guy who was HIV positive and we met online and we were going to mess around and he had told me he was undetectable, but I hadn't done my research on what that meant um, and I didn't know what how to process any of that and I was living with a viewpoint that HIV, if you have HIV, you're sick and therefore you're going to die and you're going to contract AIDS and all, like really old viewpoints because simply because I had not chosen to educate myself and I was living in a fairyland where I thought everybody was, everybody knew their status and everybody was quote unquote clean all the time, which as we know is not true or fair or kind in any way. So this guy was really attractive. He must have been in his 30s and I was in my mid-20s and we were messing around and I was really into this guy and I wanted to sleep with him and so I decided I, I remember going through mental acrobatics with myself about okay he has HIV I'm gonna do this look at me I'm gonna sleep with this guy it's okay no big deal we're gonna have sex it's all like I had to like really bear down and convince myself that it was okay to sleep with this guy meanwhile he was fucking smoldering and beautiful and I should have been lucky I should have been more than lucky to have this guy in my bed because he was just a fucking knockout and I really should have been very excited to sleep with him. Instead, I proceeded to act like a supreme douchebag on wheels and I remember he went in to kiss me just before we were going to have sex and I visibly pulled away sharply. Like He went in to give me a kiss and instead of reciprocating or being ready for it, I pulled away and was like, nope, you can't kiss me. Because again, I was living under the assumption that if you if 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 you kissed me and you had HIV, I was going to contract it again. Hadn't done any any work to educate myself on the fact that you can kiss somebody with HIV and it's totally fine. Hadn't educated myself in any way. I just blindly was like, I'm going to do, I'm going to pull away to protect myself. And I thought naively that it, by not kissing him, I was somehow doing, you know, being, being smart because I'm not there. Therefore I'm not putting myself at risk. Really again, what I was doing was being an asshole. I was being just a prick of epic proportions. And even though he, and he tried to kiss me more than once and every single time I pulled away like a big douche and he was kind enough to stay on with me and give me give me a hand job anyway, even though I was a rude little fucker who didn't who wouldn't kiss him and he gave me a hand job anyway and he came with me and I came we came basically together and I said to him I put my hand in the pool of his cum just because we were in the throes of whatever and I put my hand down down in his cum and I said to him if I touch this, do you think I'll contract it? 
again, as we're in the throes of sex, I said this to the guy, like, what, where the fuck was my tact? Why did I say that? How, like, no, no. And, like, what audacity did I have to expect that this, that this guy with HIV, who is beautiful, by the way, um, what would, uh, what I would think I would want, well, I can't speak, what right did I have to make this guy my teachable moment right after he's come all over me and, and giving me a hand job after I've denied him a makeout session, which, as we all know, making out when you're with a person is makes the sex that much better, and, and I denied him because I was scared and stupid and didn't know how to use my words and say, like, can you tell me more about this? But I was expecting, I said, can I contract it? Like, what, if somebody said that to me about my disability during any kind of interaction, I would throw down. But here I was saying it to him, making him my teachable moment without just expecting that he was going to answer me. Not only did I say, did I ask him if I was going to contract HIV, I also mentioned that because I'm disabled, if I were to get something, I would be putting my attending care workers at risk. So again, shaming him for having HIV and then saying if I got something from him, he's putting other people at risk, which is a horrible thing to put on somebody and I used the disability again as a reason to ask this insensitive question and I just you know talking to people like Addison Reed about HIV and learning about HIV afterwards after that that incident I went to an HIV um, training 101 course and I have friends who worked at the who work at the AIDS committee of Toronto and who tell me you know, stats about HIV and things about HIV so I can stay abreast of things so I can learn so I don't say insensitive, horrible things to people who don't deserve it and who just wanted to get their rocks off with me. I also remember sleeping with two gentlemen of color uh, on two separate occasions during my university days. I slept with an African-American gentleman and an Asian gentleman, and I proceeded to, in both instances to tokenize them about the size of their genitalia. I remember when the black guy took a, took his dick out to be sucked, I said something like, wow, the myth about black guys having the hugest dicks is really true. And while that may come off like a compliment, I really think it's really prejudiced and a horrible thing to say um, because... It just, again, it fetishizes black bodies, and that's not something anybody should do. And, and I used my white privilege in the instance, and I remember the guy kind of smiled and was like, huh, yeah, but was like, oh, no, like, don't say that. And I remember very loudly and proudly at the, you know, when I was with this this gentleman of color, this black guy, um, I said, you know, I've never been with a black guy before, and I bet you've never been with a disabled guy before. So, like, we were totally meant to try each other out. And I remember also saying this to this really cute uh, Filipino guy that I was seeing at one point. He was in the closet, and he was kind of testing out being queer with me. And he was the guy. He I was the one 
that he wanted to mess around with. Um, and he came over to my place once or twice and like we blew each other off and it was kind of cool that way. But I remember completely tokenizing him as well. And when he didn't have a small penis as an Asian guy, I said, wow, I guess the rumors about you aren't true. Just horrible things that I should, that I should never ever say. And it was like, Andrew, where did you get this, the fucking cojones to say this to somebody? If somebody mentioned about my genitalia as a disabled person during sex, I would be, again, I would throw the fuck down. And what, get, why did I, what, why would I say that? So I have definitely been a disabled douche in so many ways. And I, I just, I will never fetishize another marginalized body like that again. So a couple years ago, I was with this guy who was really attractive and I had sex with this, he was just really cute, this guy. And we had great sex. We messed around. We came all over each other, made lots of noise. It was great. And the minute we were done, the, the exact moment we had both climaxed and finished, and we were like breathing heavily, being like, wow, that was great. Did you have fun? I had fun. I said, that was great. Do you think I could write an article about it? Now, I mean, the guy's erection hadn't even subsided yet. Like, he was still hard next to me with my hand on his dick and vice versa. And I immediately was like, that was awesome. Can I write a piece about what we just did? Can I take that moment that we had together and exploit the fuck out of it with you? Like, and I just asked it kind of nonchalantly. And I remember he looked at me like, why are you asking me that? We just, like, we just finished he looked at me like did you just fuck me so you could write that piece of copy did you just fuck me so you could have a story to write about later did you just fuck me so you could could send something into your editor is that why we had sex though that like he never said that but his eyes said that and i fully expected him to allow me to do it and i think he was so gobsmacked that i would dare ask that that he said yes and he let me write the piece, and I wrote the piece, and I sent it in to the art to the ma- to the magazine, and it still gets sent out every couple of years. It resurfaces, and every single time I read that piece, I cringe because I know how I got that piece, and I know how I asked for it because I went about it the wrong way, and I I asked somebody who was trying to have an intimate moment with me if I could exploit them. And people tell me all the time how much they love the artistry in that article and the wording of that article. And well, the story is great. The way that I obtained that story is not great. And every time I see it, I it hurts me every single time. So I share these stories not to trigger anybody and not to say that I, you know, am completely 100% better because I'm human. I make mistakes. I share these stories because in the podcast in the past, I've talked a lot about how people have said ableist things to me and how they've kind of been douchebags to me around 
my disability and said inappropriate things, but I've never really shone that same interrogating light on myself. And I thought it was really, really critically important to do that. And also to give myself a record of what I've done and the mistakes I've made so that I don't repeat the same mistakes again. And also to give the listeners an idea of, especially if you, if you're a disabled person and you are really in tune with your disability and then you use your disability to get away with things like this. These, these are just stories and cautionary tales to show you what not to do when you're sleeping with somebody as a disabled person and don't be... It just It's proof that disabled people can be dickwads too. And I didn't want to call out other people first without sharing my own story. So those are my stories of times that I was a dick. And I, I hope that I've grown since then and I hope that I've changed since those incidents have happened a little bit and I know that I will stumble again and if I stumble big like that again I'll probably make an episode about it but I wanted to share that I the mistakes I made to show that disabled people are not saints they make mistakes and they fuck up and I certainly did and I apologize to anybody who listened to this episode and was triggered by by what I said I apologize to all the men that I hurt by what I said and the things I said, and I hope that this episode will help somebody in some way. At the very least, it's given me a standing record of mistakes that I've made and shown me that I'm more human than I realized. And just because I'm disabled doesn't mean that I can't fuck up. Alright, so that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I'm, of course, your host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of this. If you want to follow my work, you can head on over to www.andrewgerza.com or follow me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza. You can also follow the Disability After Dark podcast on Twitter by following DisAftDarkPod. You can also follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash disabilityafterdark. It would also be super awesome if you could leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts so more people can hear about the show. And if you are able and want to support the show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash content. This way we can do, do things like get better equipment, you help me make a living doing this thing. You help support content made but made by and for people with disabilities. So I can't thank you enough. And you can pledge whatever you can and as little as $1 a month to make it as financially accessible as possible. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you again next time right here on Disability After Dark. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations, with music by Chris Ujiuchi. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright, Crippled Content Creations, 2018.